Greetings and salutations. My name is Tyler Ellenick, and this is Raven Jewel, the podcast where we chronicle all things 90s Camrock. This is a mini-episode, as this week there's a 90s Camrock March Madness-style tournament launching, so I thought it'd be cool to have the creator on to discuss it. This is Eric Kareen of The Athletic. So what was the inspiration behind doing a 90s-style Canrock March Madness tournament? Um, well, I mean, the main thing is that it's something a lot of people are going through is their whole routines have been disrupted during uh, the pandemic, obviously. There's a lot more people, there are a lot more people in front of their computers without, uh, <laughs> you know, without necessarily something to do or, or, or they're looking for something to do. There's more boredom going around, I think. Uh, I've fortunately have still got work to do, but my routine's also been disrupted. And I saw, I forgot who it was from now, but a thread on on Sloan and about, you know, how they're maybe the defining power pop band uh, in, in Canadian history. Certainly, if, if you want to talk about the 90s, they are. And yet, you know, a lot of people down south haven't heard of them. And uh, it, it just sort of got me thinking about, uh, you know, discussing with uh, Sean Gordon and Michael Grange, my colleagues. Uh, it got me thinking about just the number of bands that are, uh, because of CanCon rules, because of much music, had, had been so much bigger uh, in Canada than the States. And it's, you know, a very white guy nostalgia to play on. But, uh you know, uh, I think everybody's sort of looking for some distractions right now. And uh, without actual March Madness going on, there's certainly some uh, hunger for brackets out there. So uh, it was sort of all of those things <laughs> rolled into one. And then once you started tweeting about it and you kind of put that, that idea out there, you got a lot of feedback and a lot of threads and a lot of people wanting this band and that band. How difficult was it to pare down to the bands you did pare it down to? Well, I'm still editing it now, so I'm not sure I've done a very good job. Uh, uh, as my brother uh, told me yesterday, it's like uh, now you you know what the NCAA committee feels like during the men's <laughs> tournament. You know, it's sort of a, sort of a fakeless job. I uh, we were talking to uh, my wife's cousin and, and her husband today, and he's from Montreal. And he was just yelling at me about the exclusion. Not, I mean, um, in, in good fun, of course, about the exclusion <laughs> of some of his favorite uh, Montreal bands and his favorite Francophone bands, which obviously would be uh, my blind spot, pretty much. Uh, so I, I tried to, when putting together the list and even doing the seedings, I tried my best to consider you know, just the number of hits they had and how, you know, how mainstream they became, but also the legacy they left behind, the legacy in terms of bands sort of citing them, uh, artists citing them uh, in in the future, maybe some of, you know, what those people went on to do uh, in the future who are in those bands, like, for example, Eric's Trip, you know, sort of a cult I mean, they have a following, but more of a cult band. But then Julie Duaron goes on and is, you know, has a pretty major career for herself. Same could be said for Thrush Hermit and Joel Plaskett, of course. Even if Thrush Hermit, you know, on its own might not warrant being in the main draw, at least. And certainly people would argue that. People will argue everything, it turns out. Um, that was a fact. That was a factor. So, 
I, I think overall, it's just, you know, how successful and popular were you in the 90s, but then there's legacy questions. Uh, and I should say sort of I'm, you know, I, I'm more probably pop. Uh, I, I lean more toward pop than sort of blues uh, type bases. So if, if it seems slanted in that direction in any way, that's probably my bias showing. Uh, you know, I, I, for, there's a lot of, uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll cut myself off because I could go on a few different touches. But. Speaking of uh, your taste there, what were your, some of your bands in the 90s that you really dug that, some of your favorites? The Hip are, are my favorite band of all time. Uh, like maybe I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't have said that at every point of my life and I wouldn't have said that, you know, I probably wouldn't say that today like they're not currently the band i listen to the most or anything but uh they were super important to me in high school and university and uh i think them getting painted as sometimes happens as just like a strictly uh canadian concerned uh a band that did well only because of time con i i mean that is factually true you have the numbers to back it up but i i think the talent and the songwriting and and certainly the live show uh was on par with you know a bunch of the other biggest bands in, in the world not just just canada but uh, we don't need to <laughs> go over why the tragically have been a break big and in uh the world there are many different podcasts and discussions devoted to that <laughs> uh i i do like i i constantly listen to sloan uh uh, smeared and uh or sorry i should say twice removed and one chord to another are, are albums i still turn to pretty frequent frequently um i our lady piece is clumsy i think was the second album i bought with my own money ever i i'm 34 uh so i i was born in 1985 so i i think i bought smashing pumpkins melancholy and the infinite sadness first and then clumsy by our lady piece so pretty two good albums right off the box for you man well done yeah, well, I, I'm I'm a younger brother. I, I sort of have to thank my my older brother and his friends. I think uh, it's easier when you're you're coming up behind instead of having to set the tone yourself. Yeah. Um. So I, I remember like being in the old HMV, which just closed a few years ago on on uh, Young Street, sort of near Ryerson, and I was uh, I think debating between Clumsy and Moist's Creature. I think the album was called. Um. So I ended up cho choosing Our Lady Peace, and, and uh, I I mostly like you know I'm not sure how well some of their especially some of their later hits have aged, um, but I think those first two records and parts of uh, the third one uh, definitely hold up to me. Um, and then it's it's sort of like singles, like it's sort of like what came across in much music, like uh, definitely some of those. I think if I just want to single out one song. Um, uh, I had gone to the my dad's office one day, uh, as this was at a point in my life when fax machines were still uh, interesting to me and like novel. And I faxed to RSVP the Much Music show oh, no that way. I wanted to uh, I wanted to hear Trouble Charger by Red or Red by Trouble Charger, I should say. And I, I stand by that song. That song is awesome. Oh, it's one of the greatest songs in Canadian history, not just the '90s. Yeah, and I, and I would say they, I, I mean, I think that's that's their peak in terms of songwriting, but I think a lot of their early singles are are really, really good. Uh, and, you know, Matthew Good band as, band as well, I, I like a lot of their singles. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so I uh, like beyond those few bands I named at the beginning, I was more of just like what's coming across on much music. Uh, and that's sort of my limit. It's not like I'm a, a completist or, or I'm actually the person who should be drawing up this bracket. It should probably be you. <laughs> but, um, uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm trying to keep the people entertained, keep myself entertained. I was wondering, um, you did uh, make a point of excluding solo acts like a Biff Naked or Holly McNarland. What was the kind of motivation behind that? Well, I don't know. Like, it's you have to draw the line somewhere. And, you know, there are, I, I certainly know, especially later in my life as a music fan, there are bands, quote unquote, like who don't go by their individual names but would go by it like would have like a band name but they're essentially a solo project right like so so this could be it's pretty arbitrary but i i figured like if we got into the solo acts uh you know you're you have alanis to consider you have holly mcnardland you have you know you're including weeping tile but then you're also including sarah harmer maybe and even though like her and her solo stuff started to come out more in the early 2000s i believe if i'm uh, remembering the video for basement apartment properly um so uh it was just a matter of having to draw the line somewhere uh and even then that it still gets blurry like i just added brand band 3000 to the main draw um and like i had two questions about them like are they a rock band uh which is debatable uh and then are they a band or is it just like a collective of artists who like had a loose collaboration uh you know it's like they're sort of they were like a looser collaboration than broken social scene almost (laughs) so i i I wasn't sure how to consider that and you know again like i I felt bad i guess about all the quebecers and, and montreal people uh montreal is yelling at me and let's be honest let's be honest uh drinking in la is uh awesome so they deserve to they deserve to be tossed into the to the uh the bracket but i, I could have done the same with a bunch of bands and uh you know i have to try and make rules <laughs> somewhere speaking of brackets you've, you've also broken it down into regions which you've kind of named after different much music vjs are those your four favorite or why did you choose those or is there kind of any kind of tie between the bands and the regions they're in no, other than I thought like like Sipian Lee was the longtime host of the Wedge, and like definitely Sloan would have been like maybe the biggest band playing played on the Wedge with regularity. I, I want to say, um, and then like something about Bill Woolwich just struck me more as like uh, maybe it was just the old haircut with like the flowing curly locks that made me <laughs> think of like going to a Blue Rodeo concert or something. Um, but. Um, other than that, it's just like there are VJs who were, you know, doing their thing in the 90s. I, I don't think it's a lot more con- like I wasn't going to go with, you know, Amanda Walsh or Sarah Taylor, who were, you know, bigger presences in the 2000s or, uh, you know, Erica M, who was a bigger presence, I believe, in the 80s. Uh, although uh, my, my memory of uh, another one of my weak spots would be like the bands who were really big in the early 90s. Like, I just I don't have the memory like. I don't have the memory for that. So I did try to look at the Juno's lists and, and look at like top uh, some, you know, national charts and, and see if there were any huge blind spots I had. And 
Uh, I'm sure I failed under any number of criteria, but damn it, I did the best I could. You definitely did, man. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. So we'll get you out of here on this question. How does one who's new to this kind of online bracket game, how does one play it? Like, uh, how do the, how do the rules work? Or... Yeah. So it's just, it's a strict tournament. And, uh, so the winner of the, you know, if you go and look at the bracket and I'll be putting it up there and retweeting it uh, a few times at, uh, E Corrine, uh, on Twitter, uh, it, it's sort of the winner of the matchup between the second and the seventh seed will go on to play the winner of the matchup between the third and the sixth seeds. And uh, it just goes on from there. Uh, you know, you can, if you just search March Madness bracket, um, you'll, you'll get a good definition of for what a, of what a bracket is. And uh, I, I think like how we're going to do it with voting is, uh, you know, every day around, you know, middle of the day, I'll, I'll put, you know, Noonish, I'll, I'll put it up on my Twitter feed, uh, you know, which do you think was the best, the better Canadian uh, or the Canrock band or Canrock group? I haven't thought how I'm exactly I'm going to word it. Um, and you'll get a chance, you'll get like 23 hours to vote. I'll retweet that a few times so it hopefully sees as many eyes as possible. Um, and after the deadline passes, we move the winners on and then the next matchups are formed. Uh, I think, you know, one thing I want to make clear is like a lot of people have asked me, well, what criteria are we, we voting on? Um, and I really want that to be up to, and this sounds so self-serious. Uh, like I, I, I need to restate that this is just for fun. Mostly uh, just like, <laughs> to distract people of the horror of, from the horror of the world. That's, that's the main purpose here. Um, but, uh, like just just vote on what you know whatever criteria jumps out to you it could be uh the best you know the group you feel has the highest peak it could be the group you feel uh you know define the era a lot like that's in terms of like the rheostatics who i have in the two seed like they didn't have a bunch of hits that were on the radio all the time or, or on much music all the time, but like they certainly have albums and, and, and songs that are among the most influential in, in the, you know, the history of the genre or group or, or the category, whatever you want to call it. So if you, if you want to vote bit based more on influence and then, then sort of peak sales, uh, then you should do that. And, you know, I'm trying to mix all of that in when, when putting together the bracket and the seating. Uh, so, you know, really go with your gut and you can consider work done before and after the 90s and you don't have to keep it strictly from 1990, January 1st, 1990 to December 31st, uh, uh, 1999, before the world was going to end another time. Uh, but, uh, uh, like you could consider our, our lady pieces later 2000s work if you want, um, and the tragically hips later work for if you want. You know, music at work came out, I believe, in 2000 and have some really good songs in there. And you know, I I was totally with them at least through World Container, I, I would say. Uh, so go, you know, my very long message short go with your gut, and uh, you don't have to be beholden to uh, any one sort of definition of better or best or quality so uh well thanks so much for taking the time today to kind of explain the story behind it and uh, the process of the actual tournament and uh 
let's all have some fun during this kind of uh, stressful time. Appreciate it. Can't wait to see who wins the Moist Eye Mother Earth battle. That's a that's a Titanic one. <laughs> that's an epic battle. That's right. Yeah. Two heavyweights going toe to toe, man. You're absolutely right. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on Raven Drool. Please support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash ravedrool. Follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more Naughty's Can Rock content, please find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And lastly, if you're looking for music, we have an official playlist on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, friends, take care.